EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, or listen online at lifewaypastors.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. What's up? This is Josh King, and I am kind of flying solo today here on this episode of EST, the podcast for the Established Church. Today, I am joined by a good friend of mine, Andrew Worley. We're going to talk on a number of fronts. Two things that I really want to kind of touch on is sort of the transition that he took that's a little bit unusual. In fact, it's incredibly unusual. I don't know anybody else that has taken such a transition. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the context he's in which is, I think, for a lot of people, idealistic or something that they think would be a lot of fun. But there's a lot of challenges that kind of go along with that. So you're going to want to hang out for the whole show today and uh, make sure that you're listening to this. Um, Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing good. Hey, so tell us, uh, where where are you? Where do you live? <laughs> I live in Ski Town, USA, Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Is that the official moniker, Ski Town USA, or is that just kind of the way it goes? I don't know when it got the nickname Ski Town USA, but it's it owns it. Okay, cool. <laughs> and Steam, right now it's Steam summer. Springs. So it's, right now it's summer, so it's Bike Town USA. Bike, but, like people yeah, bike a lot. Biking. Yeah, lots of mountain biking. Yeah, lots of great trails up here. But what? Steamboat Springs, Colorado, is where I am. Yeah, your pictures are amazing. Um, I saw Thanks. ones with your family going around some lake or something, and it was just yeah. breathtaking. It looked yeah. amazing. So, well, cool. So, uh, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I wanted to to begin the conversation. We're going to get into the idea of ministering in a resort town and how that might relate to. I think a lot of guys maybe think, "Oh man, it'd be so cool to minister in Hawaii or some in the mountains of Colorado or I don't know. You name the resort town, whatever their interest is in." I think there's some more challenges that are created in that than many of us realize, but there's a lot of relatable issues with ministering in a small town and kind of what you're doing there. But one of the things that I find so fascinating about your story, and we've been friends for a while, is that you actually were, before you were at Steamboat Springs, you were at a large suburban church, uh, kind of the the goal type of church, right? I mean, what was that like? Kind of paint a picture for where you were. So I was at, um, am I allowed to say the name? Yeah. I mean, it's up oh. to you. <laughs> okay. It's not there anymore. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I was at Jersey Village Baptist Church in the northwest part of Houston, um, fastest growing part of the city. And uh, yeah, we uh, when I left the church, we were averaging between 800, 900 people, mm-hmm. um, 1,400-seat auditorium, 19 on staff, $2.5 million budget. Yeah, it was, it was the dream. Yeah, um, for sure. For so many. And it was really hard to leave. In fact, it took a it really did take a, a God thing to get me out of there. Right. Because um, it, it was my it was my last church. I wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to. I, in my mind, I was never supposed to leave that church. Right. And so that that's what I find so interesting about this, because as you and I were talking before the recording, 
it's sort of the joke, but it is true. I've God always calls pastors off to bigger, larger churches. It, he just never seems to call people to <laughs> much smaller churches. So walk us through what the sort of the the genesis of that. Maybe you know a thumbnail view of what you felt like and what was leading you to not so much. Let's not talk yet about Steamboat Springs, but about leaving yeah. Jersey Village. Yeah. Um. So when I came to Jersey Village, and you, you and I, we walked through this. You I mean you've been with me for that whole journey? Mm-hmm. And uh, but when I came to Jersey Village, the two previous pastors had committed adultery. Um, the pastor before the the last pastor that I replaced, he had put the church in uh, ten million dollars of debt to build to build the building and the children's facilities and all that. It was a beautiful place. And uh, and so there's about eight million dollars when I got there, I'm trying to remember these numbers, right. <laughs> and, uh, and it was one, I was stopped once and by, at the Southern Baptist convention and told I pastored the most liberal church in Texas. Wow. Uh, so it was a very liberal church and, uh, and the search committee wanted to take it in a different direction. And so healing needed to happen and, uh, doctrine needed to be reshaped and reformed there. And, uh, and we had a debt problem. And, uh, I was there for our almost five years. And in that time, I felt like we had read re, established ourselves in the community as a trusted church where the pastor wasn't going to mess around with the secretary and mm-hmm. uh, became known as a biblical church. And so we were doing, uh, we were, you, you know, you knew if you came to that church on that Sunday, you're going to hear preaching from the Bible, not a movie review or something crazy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so all those things were growing and happening, but we couldn't solve the debt problem. And, um, ultimately I, I, uh, I started having nervous breakdowns. I, mm-hmm. um, fell into a depression I, um, I had a panic attacks. I couldn't even, you know, you think about getting up to go preach for 800 people and that's a dream for so many pastors. And I couldn't even get out of my office to go do it. Mm. I was just, I was just so, I had to like force myself at the last second to just approach the stage. And, um, so I was, I was really struggling. I was thinking about getting out of ministry altogether because I just couldn't, I couldn't fathom doing this again, going through another church like this again and working so hard and I couldn't fix the money problem. Mm. So, um, Anyway, my my wife and I started thinking about making a career change, and um, and she really is my anchor in all this, and she pushed me to stay in ministry. And so I told her, we're staying in ministry. I, I'm I'm done with the big Southern church. I'm just done with it. I want to do something small. I want to do something different. I want to go somewhere where there's um, we're not in the Bible Belt, and uh, and that's what brought us out here to to Steamboat Springs. We are actually interviewing, and you you remember this because we talked about it. I yeah. was interviewing. I was interviewing in San Francisco, and when I was interviewing here, uh, and San Francisco was a church plant, and uh, this is an established church yeah. uh, here in Steamboat. Um, so, so and that's that's it. And, it. and it's been great, by the way. It's been so healing to be in a small church again. It's been wonderful. You know, the the I think what's so powerful about what you're saying here is you're not the only person that I've heard say very similar thoughts. And some people that are in what seems to be a dream position for a lot of other people um, or the dream position for a lot of pastors actually turns out to be much different in reality. And so you're at that large church. Do you think, I think I do, but do you think that even if the money was aligned, a lot of that stress, was that, was the money just a symptom or was the money the only actual root cause of stress? The money was, honestly, I tell people all the time, if it wasn't for the money, I'd still be there. Hmm. In fact, the, the, to finish the story, Jersey Village was eaten up by Champion Forest Baptist Church, and now they're just a campus mm-hmm. in the in that larger church. And so um, they just they couldn't. They said to themselves, "We can't do this to another pastor. Let's let's go to another church." And wow. so it really was. I mean, we had to make 
our monthly note was $45,000. So I had to make wow. at least one week in our offering had to be $45,000. Um, and so that ate up a, a week's worth of offering, which is just mm-hmm. huge. And so you yeah. really, dude, you start to become a monster, right? You start to look at people as dollar signs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you start competing with other churches and uh, when somebody leaves, you take it extremely personal. I, I didn't like who I was becoming. Mm. Uh, it wasn't about the people. It wasn't about pastoring. It was about being a CEO and, and paying the bills. Wow, there's and, a lot of warnings there. If you're at a church that maybe doesn't have a debt, and I mean, I've just seen it so often, really, really weigh that out because, man, you and I both know a ton of stories about um, pastors who lead their churches into debt. And then shortly thereafter, they all get called away to something bigger and nicer yeah. and they leave that debt behind and it just starts to eat away at the morale. So I think that's a, that's such an impactful story. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah. so, so you ended up in beautiful Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. What was, tell me, <laughs> paint a picture for that church. What was that church I- like? By the way, it's like 70 degrees right now. <laughs> it's 70 degrees in my office. <laughs> I think our high today is like 78. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening awesome. here. Not in Dallas, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> All right, what do you say? What was, so paint a picture. What was uh, Steamboat Springs like when you arrived or as you were interviewing? Um, Steamboat Springs is part of the northwest quadrant of Colorado and um, – it is uh, is ninety percent unreached. So there's twelve thousand people in this town. Twelve hundred people go to church. All the churches. Mm. The average church size out here is about thirty or forty. Um, those some of those churches that would say that they are Christian, for example, our Episcopal Church, which this shocked me, but I'll tell you in a second, and our Methodist Church, um, which are usually mainline, you know, Christian on the more liberal side. But our Episcopal Church will will hang out Buddhist flags, Buddhist wow. prayer flags wow. at the beginning at the beginning of fall to get ready for school, mm. and our um, our Methodist pastors come right out and said, "I'm more Buddhist than Christian." Huh. Yeah. So it's even so even those who say they're Christians here, um, it, you're probably looking more like probably about 800, 900 Christians total in this town of twelve thousand people. Wow. So it's a very very unreached place. However, we have no crime. Hmm. Like there's no, it's extremely safe. It's very affluent. Uh, lots of wealth here, obviously. Um, and so there's, there's not a lot of crime. We all leave our doors unlocked. We, except for the bears that mm-hmm. will come into your car. If it wasn't for the bears, we'd lock our, we'd leave our doors unlocked. Um, but for the most part, it's just a very safe place to live. It's a nice place to raise your family. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's lost. And uh, we deal with a lot of suicide and we deal with a lot of drug addiction, um, even in these upper, upper class people, because they're just, they don't have Jesus and it's a very, very lost place, but they're beautiful people. They're lovely people. Um, they just need a savior. So you were at a church of eight to 900, $2.5 million budget, 19 staff. Yeah. What, what was, what was your, what was the church you're at now? Like when you went to uh, anchor way, when I came to anchor way, they had uh, 99 people. Okay. 99 people who voted for me to be the pastor. And uh, <laughs> it's crazy. And Sunday school class is bigger than this. Right. <laughs> um, and we have, uh, and I have one associate pastor who is still with us. And my worship pastor is part time. And uh, his other job is he's the, he's one of the big local talents. So you'll, you'll come to church and hear him sing worship on Sunday. And probably if you were at a bar Saturday night, you heard him singing. Mm-hmm. 
bar songs at your bar. And you hit them. <laughs> yeah. So, so is there debt at okay. Anchor Way? No. I, <laughs> I wasn't going to go to a church with debt. <laughs> <laughs> no debt. No debt. No, no way. That's fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, this is, no. I mean, I can see, obviously, and obviously the way that we're framing this and talking about this, you can see a lot of why somebody would be interested in leaving sort of getting out of the rat race or the ladder climbing that happens and dominates a lot of ministry these days and going just the opposite direction. Instead, <laughs> instead of looking for the big churches, you're looking for the most lost people with no debt and you're just going to go try to reach them. Right. I mean, I can see yeah. that. Is there any other factors that kind of maybe aren't immediately obvious in that sort of what many would consider a backwards move? Can you rephrase that? I'm sorry. So, like, I mean, you went from what many would consider the big steps going forward. The You know, you're at the top of the ladder there, and there's not a whole lot of churches that are bigger than that. But you went exactly the opposite direction. Are there other benefits besides just not having to worry about a quarter of your money going to debts? <laughs> well, I think a lot of it is coming out here. Um, so if I had stayed in – if I took 100 people, let's say I took a 100-person church in Texas – and it's probably not, you're probably going to deal with the same drama and the same issues in the, in the Bible belt for the guys I know who pastor smaller churches out there. Um, and so I, you know, I think, um, coming out here, it's, there's just, it's such a, I'm trying, I don't want to sound arrogant at all, mm. but to, for somebody of my caliber to come out to this re- place, there are some people who recognize that and they really appreciate it and they champion you. Mm. Uh, they know they know what I could have done, mm. and they know what I have done, and they. Uh, and so there's a there's a lot of there's some maybe respect that mm. you receive. Um, there's a there's a there's a, just some really refreshing benefits. Uh, we, you know, one of the things that we've loved about coming out here um, that we didn't maybe foresee is we don't have to do much to to make a difference. Um, for example, my wife hosted a Bible study last summer in our home, which was crazy. A, a pastor's wife in her home that you could actually go to. It wasn't a holy of holies. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and she had a handful of ladies and some of those ladies had said they'd never been to a Bible study in their life. Wow. And I, it was like a Lisa Turkhurst thing. I mean, I, and I told Angie, I was like, had you done that in Houston, there would have been 10 of them, you know, in a 15 mile radius and all of them would have experienced at least once, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, here you do just a little six week Bible study and it blows their minds. Right. And it's, that's what's so, that's what's amazing out here is that the need is massive. And so it doesn't take much to really meet those needs and get people to celebrate it and to be happy. And so it's, it's refreshing in that way. But I think honestly, it's coming out here to this mission field that does that this West coast mission area that I think that's really going to be the, I say West coast, Western slope. Sure. Um, yeah. That makes the, that makes that significant. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it would be the same in the South. Yeah. I would doubt it. So, when we were talking originally, you had some thoughts on you've learned quite a bit about ministering in what we call a resort town. So what what is a resort town like? I mean, I'm I'm ignorant to it. So does the population change over the year? And what does that look like? And what does it look like ministering to people who are so in and out? Okay, yeah. So a resort town. So for my for my little church, which is not what it used to, it's a little bit bigger than it used to be. But for my little church, you know, I have country music stars. I have uh, the CEO of major companies that you buy your pizza from. I have um, 
the I have retired NFL players. I have Olympians. So even in so one of the things about coming out here is you people people who come out here are very successful usually. Mm-hmm. So you might pastor a small church, but they're not small minded. They are they're big big deals in the world, um, in their industry. And so it's, it's, it is different in that way that you're not pastoring in the sticks. You're pastoring people who are, who get it and understand leadership and understand, um, how things should work. Uh, the town itself is very fluid. Um, I've been asking lots of questions about to guys who have been doing this in like Vail or Aspen for 20 years, 25 years. Um, some of them are Southern Baptists, some of them are not. And they all say the exact same thing, and that when you come to a resort town, you play the long game. That there's no quick, there's no quick rise in ministry here. It's very rare to have that. Um, and I was driving when I was driving to the office this morning. I was passing by a church plant. We have one church plant in Steamboat, mm. and uh, and they've been here for three years, and they're in a great spot. They're downtown. They're in this vintage theater called the chief the guy's got a great beard and <laughs> tattoos and he wears he can fit into skinny jeans i can't even do that yeah he's got a young family i mean he fits the mold perfect right and they're averaging 20 hmm. in three years right i mean so there's just it is a long grind here and there's just there's nothing quick about it because it is so fluid hmm. so yeah, our population so we have what's called uh, mud seasons where it's not pretty so the summer's beautiful. The winters are for skiing, and uh, and so the mud seasons are the are like um, fall and spring. And my, we just we lose people. I mean, thousands of people leave town. Everything uh, rush, restaurants close, um, or if they stay open, they're really really cheap. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's just a, so there's a there's that change. Uh, we have Fourth of July coming up. We'll have twelve thousand extra people in town. Um, so, well, like Fourth of July in Texas, I wouldn't preach. Fourth of July weekend, there's nobody's going to be there, right? Or Memorial Day, nobody's going to be there. Mm-hmm. But here, I get higher attendance on Memorial Day and July Fourth than I do, say, Mother's Day or Easter. Wow, it's completely backwards. It's so weird. That's interesting. <laughs> so you've got a long-term game there instead of trying to just, uh, you know, if you build it, they will come, big explosion, and then everybody comes out. Yeah, that doesn't work here. Right. Uh, one of the things when we were, when I was getting my tour of uh, this town, uh, I noticed when people would talk about restaurants, they would say, oh, there's such and such, Mambo's. The owners are awesome. They wouldn't even tell me about the food. It was the <laughs> owners. Or oh, there's really? Creeks, yeah, there's Creekside. That's really good. The The wait staff's amazing there. Mm-hmm. You know, And so it's all about your, so your relationship in the community. And so that has been true of the church as well. Facebook doesn't work. Ads don't work. It's all people come to this church. They say, I keep hearing great things about this church. Hmm. So I had to check it out. Yeah. Um, so it's and again, that's slow. You can't just yeah. do a mailer. <laughs> right? <laughs> and do a mailer and get everybody there. <laughs> yeah. And most people are so anti-establishment out here. They're not even on Facebook. So what would be some of the shockers like um, or maybe some of the challenges? That sounds all romantic. It sounds amazing. But what would be some of the harder parts about being in such a beautiful place and having ex-NFL players around? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, so one of the hard things for us has been financial mm-hmm. strengths. It kind of it kind of wears on you because um, you pay a resort tax when you go to the grocery store. And uh, to get semis up here, it takes it costs even more money, you know. So things are at higher higher in price. Um, so finding and then the average 
I think you and I've talked about this. The average home price out here is seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and I pass and I pastor a small church, you know, and so that's that's been we don't have a house that expensive, but we're in that ballpark, and right. that's a big that's a big mortgage. We never would have had that size of a mortgage, and so that makes it really really difficult to live here financially. Um, so you look at your house and those things as an investment that you think you can get a return on many mm. years later. Um, so I'd say financial is the hardest thing. The other thing that's really hard is, uh, relationships, connecting with people, especially when you're from the South and most people here are from the North or the West. And so they, they don't even know, they don't know what Tex-Mex is. They don't know what Bluebell <laughs> ice cream is. They, they it's don't horrible. care about, Chick- I know they don't care about Chick-fil-A. They, um, they, you know, there's just, you know, it sounds silly, but those little, those little things, some of the loneliest days we've had have been like election night, hmm. you know, where we come from a place where it's predominantly Republican mm-hmm. and all of our friends are like, what do you mean you're not voting Democrat? And I'm like, <laughs> can we not talk about this? You know, Let's just, not talk about we this. felt so long. And I was like, I oh, know the Trump thing, but right. it doesn't matter if it was George Bush, but right. it doesn't matter. They're going to vote Democrat. It was just a very different place. Um, and so those are, those are some of the things that you just kind of, my wife especially has had a harder time and my kid, one of my children has had a harder time connecting with people. Um, it's so fascinating that you say, so some of the benefits were no debt and you can't just do it. You got to build relationships. Well, then the reverse side is the challenges are we can't afford anything and it's hard to build (laughs) relationships, right? It's like, it's a catch 22 there with this. It is. It is a catch-22, yeah. What I'm hearing a lot, though, you know, is so interesting to me because you take you take Steamboat Springs out of it and you just talk about a West Texas town or you talk about this Albuquerque, New Mexico or something like that. I think a lot of the culture would still be in play. And I would actually argue that for a healthy church, even in a, a suburb of Dallas or one of these fast-growing areas – you're probably better equipped to do ministry over the long haul if you look at it like a long-term thing, if you're not so dependent on the big growth, if you're not worried about climbing the ladder and success the way that we see that. Could you see a lot of the – what are some of the distilled principles that you've learned in pastoring large, suburban, the goal, and down to – now where is that again? How how have you (laughs) learned those principles, and and what are some things that you can just kind of share with our listeners on – what you've learned with that. Okay. If, in fact, if I was to go pastor a big church again, like a very large church, like where I was, I I would still try and do it like a small church now where Mm -hmm. before I would have been, I would have been, you know, reading all the books and following all the Andy Stanley steps and all that junk. And now I'm like, no, I would, I would do it much simpler. And so, um, I would, I would say, you know, maintaining relationships are key you know, having those, you know, that's your, that's your big deal. And again, small towns are great for that because I go to the grocery store and I run into four or five people and I can do ministry at the grocery store. I go to a restaurant with, to have lunch with a friend and I'm shaking hands all the way through. I'm like the mayor. I shake hands all the way through the restaurant. So it's, it's wonderful. You get to make all these touches all throughout the week. The larger church in the larger Metro area, you got to work harder to make those touches. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know what to say to that, except that you need to make make sure that part of your work ethic isn't just sermon crafting and mm-hmm. isn't just leadership, but it's also maintaining and loving on people. Um, so whether that's having a small group in your home on Sunday nights or Saturday mornings or at some point, somehow you need to make sure that you're making those relationship connections weekly, that that's mm-hmm. happening going. 
um, the, uh, you know, trying to think the other small, small ideas or the small church changes. Um, well, I thought you hit on something there. I found the same thing in our, our place. We were doing sort of our, our new member introduction classes here at the church and we'd mm-hmm. get so, so return. I mean, and it was pretty good compared to other people's, um, introductory type of courses. I moved it to my house and it was just Uh-oh. huge, you know, because everybody was like, man, we want to go to that. And uh, it was really beneficial because even even I say this, ironically, we got more no's than we've ever had before. It wasn't less people were showing up. It's just the people that weren't showing up were actually letting us know that they weren't going to be able to make that one, which was yeah. so helpful. And the reason they were doing that, because it was at my house and it was personal. And they felt yeah. like, well, I got to let them know I'm not going to be at their house instead of I'm just not going to show up to that thing at the church. So. Yeah. Uh, I think the opening up your home and just being real and authentic is a huge, uh, it's a difference wherever you are, you know, it, yes. it makes a difference. Yeah. That's, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> yeah, maybe they idea. love that. Hey, so <laughs> what would you say to the guy or, uh, the pastor who is, you know, at a church of a hundred or, you know, even the church you were at before Jersey Village is, was larger than the church you're at now. Well, I know. That's and you crazy. probably felt like you were at the tiniest church, you know, in the tiniest <laughs> Texas town, which yeah. you kind of were. But the, uh, <laughs> but what would you say to that pastor who's, who's pastoring 120 people on a great day, on a good Easter? 120 might show up. <laughs> What would you say to them when they start to look over there at the Jersey villages of the world and say, man, I'd love to be there. I have a friend who pastors in first Baptist house and he used to say, um, right. All that glitters is not gold. Yeah. I've said that and, yeah. 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 And that's, it's a great line. And I think as you look at those larger churches and maybe the, um, the draw that may come from that, that, uh, there it's just realize that there are problems embedded there that, that are really, really difficult. And, and to be honest, I don't care what, what kind of leader you are. And again, uh, I feel like I'm a decent, probably I'm not a, I'm not a Greg Mott or Lou Giglio or Nate Stanley, but I'm a, I'm a good leader and I could not, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it didn't matter what you, what you do. That church is going to be very difficult. I would go to Jersey village, you know, on my own will, I mean, I, you and I both believe in the sovereignty of God and I believe God brought me there for a season to do what I did. But, um, so that, that may happen to a guy in a smaller church, but just, just realize, man, where you are is essential and it's a, and it's a really beautiful place. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing to pastor a small church. I keep thinking about like, um, whenever I'm in these, these places, this maybe a, a depressing moment or like, what am I doing out here? You know, mm. in the middle of, I'm three hours from Denver, right? I'm so far <laughs> from everything. And so, uh, you know, uh, you know, when I think about these things, I go, well, who else would do it? Right. I, you know, I mean, Andy Stanley's not coming down here. You know, Louis Giglio's not coming over here. There's no great Southern Baptist preacher. Who else is going to do this church in this town? Mm-hmm. Who else is going to be faithful here? Why, what makes me so good that I can't be faithful here? Mm. And so let's just be faithful where you are. And so I would tell the guy in Albuquerque or West Texas, nowhere with your hundred people, who else is going to do what you do? And you're special because you are there. Mm-hmm. You, God, God needs you in that trench. Yeah. And so yeah. be faithful in that trench and advance the kingdom and fight the darkness and do what you're supposed to do with the gospel. 
Man, I think that's Man, so think, encouraging, and I hope that um, our listeners are encouraged by this conversation today about somebody who just kind of went the opposite direction and said, you know, I'm not on any ladder. I don't need to prove myself. I just need to be faithful to God, and I think that's encouraging too. Now, I know you said that Facebook doesn't really work out there, but if people want to connect with you more, some of our mm-hmm. listeners, maybe they want to connect with you online. How can they do that? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Andrew Worley on Facebook, A Worley on Instagram, and Andrew underscore Worley on Twitter. Now spell Worley. <laughs> W-E-R-L-E-Y. That's as easy as it is. So he's on all of that sort of stuff. I hope that you connect with him. And um, again, I'll follow you back. Yeah, you'll follow back. Thanks, man. Thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, you bet, brother. Good to see you. All right. Peace. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.